Hi everyone, I'm Andy. And I'm Angela. And welcome to The Magistream, a podcast for Majestins by Majestins. Note that the podcast The Magistream, or Magistream, uh, is not to be confused with the in-game Magistream, a wave of living magic that refreshes a Majestin's health and abilities at sunrise. On this episode of The Magistream, we'll talk about the first two games of the fall season. We're going to hear a performance by none other than Simon Guerin. We'll interview John Schuster, one of Magistry's talented artisans, and we're going to hear what Ryben has to say about his most favorite booze. Hmm. Introducing the Magistream, come ask Ryben anything, be your bridge between the games. So, you know, it's still spooky season right now, even though Halloween's over. Sure. We have the the Festival of Souls coming up, this coming event. The spookiest holiday of the year. So spooky. I love it. It's my favorite event, as most people know. And I have, I had something super spooky happen in the dining hall tonight. Do Uh, tell. So I was there cleaning the kitchen. You know, and uh, Paul and Doug were out chopping wood or something like that. And, of course, it had just gotten dark because it gets dark at, like, yeah, so early. noon. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, not quite. Maybe if you're like downhill it. from the dining hall. but <laughs> So, anyway, I'm in the dining guess... hall by myself. And all of a sudden from – or I'm in the kitchen by myself. Yep. And we have all the lights off everywhere except for the kitchen. And okay. all of a sudden, like – music starts playing like the radio comes on and it doesn't come on mm. clear it comes on like real staticky and like it's, you can't really tell what's being played and it's all scary yeah and i was like well that's awesome <laughs> um and of course you know in order to go turn on the lights in the dining hall you actually have to go into the dining hall <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, nope, just going to shut the door <laughs> and we'll wait for someone else to come before I go in there. But it was Yeah, I saw your I saw your post on Facebook and it almost sounded like you were trying to start a choose your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have to do it alone. And you could you could blame Facebook for your bad decisions. I got a lot of nopes though and I was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was perfectly it was a lot content of, to stay. It was a lot of nope gifts. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, it was a good way to start off the season. Mm. But uh, before that, we're going to get right into um, the first two games of the fall season. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get one out in between the, the game one and game two, but uh, yeah. we're working on it. <laughs> so we'll talk about, oh, no, wait, game two and game three. Yes, we did one after game one. Where we talked about all the stuff we didn't talk about during the spring, <laughs> and the and the and the first fall game, right? All right, so we're going to talk about games two. We're getting better, is what I'm saying. <laughs> we're both just so busy; it's hard. Yes, but but we're here, and we're going to talk about yes. the fall season. So game two. Well, yep. This was like two months ago. So September, I mean Harvest Wayne twenty sixth, right? Twenty sixth to twenty eighth. So you have here uh, probably one of the first things that you, or the the most recent 
to the top of your mind, although it happened at the very end of game. Yeah. Was the Sadius cultists that yes. came to try and move the the totem from its place by the lake or by uh, the amphitheater. By the amphitheater, yep. All the way to uh, the Sadius rock. And uh, they got most of the way there. Uh, I, I wasn't there when it was getting moved, so I didn't see how, you know, where it got stopped or whatever. I, I, I just, like, recall getting there and seeing, like, Tatango, like, carrying it back away from the Sadius rock. I heard Lenarian was uh, pretty uh, important in keeping them from getting it to the rock. She's... That does not surprise me. <laughs> I heard she uh, stood there and whirlwinded and threw a couple mm. of them into spider webs and essentially oh, just... <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah the spider webs there. <laughs> yeah, I guess she uh, gust of winded a couple of them into spider webs and then left them for wow. easy prey for uh, for the rest of the townsfolk because they were paralyzed. Wow. Sure. But yeah, so they didn't actually get the, uh, the totem to the rock. They got very mm-hmm. close, though. And we all learned a new song. Thanks to Simon. <laughs> yeah. We're going to save Which that I think... song, I think, until we have a, a segment about the Sadius cult. It's, oh, that's uh... right. Yeah. That's right. We haven't played it yet. No, we, we have the recording. Stay, t- stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> so also during that game, we had more of the uh, the venerant houses from Yes. Mortuary. Lots of dealings with them. Yep. And there are three different venerant houses uh, that are... Involved. There's House uh, Vondus, and, and each of these different, each of these three venerant houses, is um, being sort of sponsored by, has close ties to uh, an Irvinshirian noble house, human living humans, not not undead, um, <laughs> who are sort of sponsoring them, um, providing them with like housing and also coin because they have none of, you know, Irvinshirian money and um, protection and, and protection. Yeah. Although, in the Messenger article, there were large numbers of undead animated at a battlefield moving towards those um, noble houses. So uh, the veterans might be offering protection for the Irvinshirian houses as well now. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the three venerant houses uh, are House uh, Vondus or Vondus, and they are being sponsored by House Camille. Their leader is very, like straightforward and aggressive you could say uh and focused on pursuing morcanthos who was originally from who's morcanthos is the incarnation of pestilence but he was originally from uh mortuan he was a priest there who uh broke with the sort of religion of following the colossi which are these giant beings. monstrosities that beings that 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 Sure, <laughs> that sounds better than monstrosities. That that uh, it might get uh, you, you know, less trouble anyway. <laughs> that roam around uh, Morcanthos and and like people sacrifice to, and they you know have their own followers and stuff like that. Morcanthos was a priest of 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 the, one of the Colossi, and um, he like became a heretic and you know stopped following uh, giving you know worship and agreement to uh, where he was supposed to, and um, then uh, Valarius like picked him up and brought him to. Majesta and made him one of the one of the gods there. Anyway, the venerants are here. At least House Vondus especially is here to get him back and bring him to judgment on on Mortuan. The other houses, House Corwin, which I had uh, some dealings with, uh, they're interested in knowledge. Um, they're being sponsored by 
uh, House Falstoke, um, and they seem to be they they were pursuing you know how to uh, they want to figure out what happened how Morkanthos got here. Fondas didn't seem to care too much about him as long as they can get Morkanthos back and bring him to judgment. And then there's also House Witherstone, which is being sponsored by Brexiano. I don't know too much about them other than that they were the ones that asked for a, a play to be put on uh, at dinner, which is something that uh, Tatanga took the lead on. And I think they wanted it to be something with emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're feeding on our emotions or what, or they just want to see a nice play. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I like how both are acceptable. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. It's like they're nobles, but they're also undead. And like, there's a lot of similarities between like nobles and vampires. We we're talking about that. Like, other their power comes from their blood, and you know, it's exercised through control over other people. And then, like, I was having this conversation with Simon, and then we were like, "Wait, which one were we talking about? Vampires or nobles?" <laughs> And the veterans aren't vampires, but they they are undead. So who knows what their appetites are, how they how they subsist. But um, anyway, Tatanga did a really cool play with Simon was involved, and um, I think we talked a lot Teg about that and, in our last. Yeah, we episode did talk about too. that, didn't we? Yeah, okay. it was great. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we talked about that. You don't need to hear about that again. <laughs> or if you really um, do, you can go back. Or to if you really do, you five. can just play that old episode. Yeah, we're not going to stop you. You can listen to these in whatever order you want. This could be your first episode. <laughs> I'd recommend starting with a different one, but this could be your first episode. And if so, welcome. What else happened? I got a little off topic. Oh, yeah. the There were like fey children dealing with the, the pieces of the fey children that were fey children that were created by people in Elmerton. Maybe other fey children as well that were created elsewhere. But they're being killed by Von Von, who is a fey child that was created uh, by Vonlin in Marshall's Landing, and she's she created the Fey Child without like someone else in town taking part in it. Mm-hmm. So something else, possibly from the Invergence, took part in it. And uh, Von Von's been like killing other Fey children, and people in town were trying to gather up their their um, psychic bits and their spirit bits to try to put them back together. So there was some dealing with that. The uh, number of scientists in town can, you know, gather up the the psychic bits. A uh, number of the spiritualists in town can gather up the spirit bits, which are being found, like you know, attached to uh, uh, like convergence creatures, some of the uh, more evolved convergence creatures, as well as like the psychic ones are coming from these like things that are just like a whole bunch of weird like masks floating around, which may be convergence creatures too, but not entirely sure. <laughs> But yeah, the inversions creatures are definitely attracting like the spiritual remnants to them. Uh, what else? Oh, there was the a beacon got put up. The beacon, yes, yes, which we ended up translating uh, after the fact. There was there's you know writing on the beacon. Uh, the beacon was brought by some undead uh, creatures, the Win, uh, W Y N N, to the amphitheater, and it's. It was like attracting convergence creatures to it. This past game, there were like convergence tears and stuff that were sort of like centered on that that beacon. Yeah, the beacon had some like weird sort of uh, hieroglyphics on it, and there was like a piece of paper that came out near the beacon that had a bunch more writing on it. And we did end up translating that. 
Which you did um, really well. I was a little bit surprised. We got a good chunk of it at the game, and then we got a, did a bunch afterwards. Um, but um, yeah, but even still, like the the information that we gave you wasn't a lot. Like it was, it was good to to know where things started and ended, and we gave you like a couple of letters, I think. But man, you guys pulled that out pretty well. Yeah, the the tricky part was like there were there, there were capital letters which were really throwing us off mm. that were different than the other letters, but looked similar to them, but they didn't necessarily look similar to their lowercase counterparts. But once we like cracked a couple of those, then then we're good um but uh the the vool which are the followers of clacus uh which were in the tavern i think the first game of the fall season maybe the second game of the fall season trying to get people to like help explore the dimensions and they have this like dormitory hall of doors to slash hall of doors to other dimensions uh, which is their headquarters and it looks like they had been like tasked with planting this beacon here um, for reasons still unknown. <laughs> but uh, like the the beacon says Vool Beacon on it. It's got the Clacus symbol on it too, which is like a sort of a a man with a hat. Apparently, I thought it looked kind of like maybe a dagger with a, the hilt up and the blade down. But um, apparently, <laughs> it's a it's it's also a, it's the man with man with a hat. He's like a dark robed figure with a top hat. Um, and a triangular face, but uh, it's there's like dimensional energy around the the beacon that like heals you if you're like a, a hopper or or a portal jacker, like heals you slowly near it. Uh, can't really move the beacon. Teg, Teg tried to do it last event and <laughs> did not really succeed. Like he managed to grab onto the beacon and hold it while his hands went numb and his whole body went numb, and. He asked me to banish him while he was holding it, and he got banished, and the beacon did not. But he apparently went to the Vool Citadel briefly um, before he came back. Gotta love the the spirit of experimentation. <laughs> sure. There's more than one way to skin a beacon. Um, and uh, what else? The Brewer's Guild the Auction. Brewer's Guild Auction, yes. The first yes. time we've had the Brewer's Guild Auction in a couple of years, which was nice. And that was, First time um, since I've been a PC. I think there was uh, some pictures of one that happened like shortly before I started PCing, like five years ago or so. Maybe? Something. So no, maybe, maybe, maybe. If it was five years ago, then it was earlier than that. I think, yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of cool stuff up for auction. We gotta say thank you to uh, Dave Kopchick for resurrecting oh, yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. He really wanted to, to bring that back, and uh, it's a really hard thing to run. It really is, which is why it's kind of you know been put mm-hmm. on the back burner. But he brought it back, and he did a good job with it. So that's great. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Dave. And yeah, <laughs> but that was like took a lot of effort to organize something like that. There was a lot of stuff up up for auction. I know, like Rakesh had like six things up for auction that he put up there. Yeah, uh, a lot of PCs put some stuff up for. Yeah, auction. a lot of PCs put up some stuff too. Um, some like handcrafted like uh, bracers, uh, a few other things, some artwork. But yeah, then there was some other like rare stuff, stuff that's hard to get a hold of, uh, like property, like a deed to a mine. Horses. Horses. A haste potion. Um, Which is so good. Yeah. Haste is amazing. We basically just like take damage to dodge. Yeah. Or, and yeah, it's just. 
a very rare component, which is crimson lotus pollen, which is very hard to get a hold of. <laughs> uh, Scroll of Resurrect, uh, some hopper trips that I think um, uh, Finley put up, uh, treasure map, uh, a date with Trevor Winlock, <laughs> which, which had some, in- <laughs> yeah, which had some intense, but like Bram really wanted. So Trevor Winlock is Winlock Noble who was executed when the con after the the conclave happened and and uh winlock paid a heavy price and 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 Levendros got a good chunk of their lands uh, but trevor winlock is also a devotee of uh, the incarnation of fear the lady of eyes mm-hmm. and i had at one point been tasked and and, and paid by jack Aaron to uh find single nobles in his area <laughs> um <laughs> He wasn't particular about about gender, um, and given that Trevor Winlock, you know, is a noble, is single, and also is a follower of the the incarnation of fear, like Jack is, uh, I was bidding on that date for him, uh, for him, uh, and the bidding between between uh, uh, the you know us, me and and, and Eleanor, a couple of the people, is the Jack surrogate against Bram got got pretty pretty uh, high there. Uh, but that was fun. A lot, lot of interesting stuff. I got some uh, Elder Knowledge wine. There was some other um, alcoholic uh, drinks, magical in nature too. I mean, because it's the Brewers Guild, obviously. Obviously. Um, and then there was the the cork hunt, which uh, what's her name? Mia. Mia ended up winning with like more than half of the one thousand corks, which is a lot. That's so many corks. I don't even know where she kept them all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But she got like over five hundred of the of the one thousand quirks. Yeah, there were like a lot of small teams. Like the Ebon Wolves had a had a solid team going. I think Mia teamed up with somebody too. I know um, Alex Miller's character was teaming Adelar. up with Adelar. Yeah, was teaming up with uh, Sandow. I think because the prize was a gold, which mm-hmm. is 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 some money. It's not a, it's a good chunk of money, but not a huge chunk of money. But then it was also like honorary membership in the Brewers Guild for. I don't remember how long, maybe a year or something, and a mug that produces any that produces al- like is continuously full of alcohol and or turns everything in an alcoholic or some or one or the other. Basically, it's a you know alcohol whenever you want mug, <laughs> which is a crazy prize. Yeah, worth far more great. than a gold. Imagine never having to pay another copper for yes for your booze for dark ale again. Yeah. So then. Uh, well, Fortune's Vanguard had a meeting, which they talked about, like, promotion of some of their new members. And one of the missions that they're planning on taking in the future is an expedition to another dimension where ore uh, that can be used against invergence creatures can be found. Yep. If we can find the ore and refine it, we can make a weapon that should more easily defeat invergence creatures. We'll talk a little um, bit more about what Fortune's Vanguard is when we go to the next game. Although I guess we could. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll move on. Wait till after the sponsor break, Shh. or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what else? So uh, Gerald Mink, who's a, a former incarnation of Luck, came into town late at night to talk to people, uh, you know, about various stuff. He came from through like a, a portal from the end of the first time cycle uh but he was talking about you know a bunch of stuff about like the gifting overworlders and, and we, were, we were asking him questions that's not necessarily what he came to talk to he was just like checking in and see out seeing how we're doing but we asked him some questions about various things that were that were bothering us at a at a high level mostly dealing with the marath and the the uh citadel 
uh, with Merith had had you know, asked for a favor in order to gently pick up their citadel and move it to the Evernight instead of dragging dra- it, <laughs> rather than drag it across all of Majesta. So we're trying to we have to try to return that favor to the the Merith uh, before they uh, I don't know decide to seek some sort of <laughs> other recompense out of us. How many? How much uh, time did they give you? Was it two years? Yeah, which we're coming up on. Well, so. we're coming up on. Well, we're coming up on one year, right? Are you? Because uh, com- last year, yeah, no, it was two years from the end of the. Sp- we were in Marshall Landing in the spring. Yes. Yeah, you're right. All right. Oh yeah. So yeah, we are coming up on two years then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. So uh, the second game also saw the return of Cornelius. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who came back into town looking for a bunch of. Uh, Seemingly random items and wands and stuff that he had lost and was trying to get back from the town. Um, he tried to buy Sandow. He did try to buy Sandow. I heard like you. He tried to, you know, he's like, you're the magistrate of this town, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'd like to purchase this uh, Mongrelian. I'm like, he's not for sale. <laughs> like, he was just like, I'd like to purchase this Mongrelian. And like, and like, uh, uh, um, What's his name? Jesse turns around. He's just like, like, just like the look on his face. <laughs> like he wasn't, he, did, he did, hadn't, hadn't talked to Sandow at all. He's just like, I just, like, you're the magistrate, right? Mr. Van Hat. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd like oh, to purchase this Mongrelian. I heard he got quite the tongue lashing from you. Yeah. Yeah. And that he's responsible if anything happens to Sandow in the next. If any, if anything happens to Sandow, I am going to come looking for him first. <laughs> he was tickled by that. It's always good to have Brad back, and his uh, many characters that he brings to the game, mm. including uh, Baron Eek. Oh yes, yes. Uh, who who is a spider in in the Countess's service. And def helped the uh, the PCs in game two who who are totally into eating spider silk and learn more about being spiders. Hmm. Did you get that? Uh... I wouldn't say totally into eating spiders. <laughs> like I did get a little bit too into the 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 lesson of how to be a spider and how to wrap up people and drag them away to eat them. <laughs> um, we got a little bit too close to eating uh, eating Dante. Um, <laughs> We did ask him several times if he was okay with it, but he just kind of gave a meh, which was that we probably should have gotten a more solid yes before we <laughs> dragged him away. I was going to say, was that because his face was covered in spider silk at the time? <laughs> no, we asked him first. <laughs> I wasn't going to eat him. We're just trying to see how close we had to get to eating him to actually complete the lesson. <laughs> Turns out it's pretty close. <laughs> I don't think we actually completed that lesson. Anyway. But yeah, so I mean, Brad brings a lot of cool characters into town, and it's always great to have him. And he hasn't been back in a while, so that was nice. Hmm. I think the last time we saw him was Marshall's Landing. I think you're right. I wonder how ominous that is. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> so that was uh, the majority of, of game two. So then we come to game three, which was whew, one of our coldest and rainiest events that we've had in a while. Yeah. <clears throat> Which was, you know, it is what it is. And you kind of like Friday night was okay. 
we got some stuff done then that we needed to get done. But Saturday was just like cold and rainy for most of the day. And, you know, it, it just, it's one of those things where like as a GM, like you sit there and you're like, all right, well, by now we usually would have had like some crunch squads go out, but how worth it. And we only had like, I think 12 maximum of 12 um, NPCs. Mm-hmm throughout the weekend so like we were probably because people had been falling off due to the plague and you know maybe not coming just because it was cold and stuff like that so we really didn't have very many npcs and like trying to send them out into the cold to maybe do a fight and then come back like it would have just killed their spirits (laughs) yeah because we don't have a a heated building so so anyway, it ended up that for a lot of the day we tried to get some role playing stuff out, but I thought there was a lot of really good role playing stuff out, yeah. Um, but not I mean, not everyone my... can see everybody, so like yes, one of the things that I'm interested in is like kind of what PCs do when when the NPCs aren't around. I, and and like there's a lot of stuff um, that that goes on while the NPCs aren't around, and even just like a little bit of role playing plot every now and then can give the PCs a lot of stuff to like to do and talk about. But even when there's not NPCs around, like um, like there's a lot of stuff going on in the tavern, like Liam, um, um, Eric and, and, and um, um, JD have been doing a lot to have stuff going on in the tavern, like drinks and food and, and just other things. Um, like the, the atmosphere in there has been like really like improving, like noticeable, um, you know, just little things in the atmosphere, just uh, improving every uh, every game. They do um, a great job, and it is not a you know, it is a hard job. Yeah, it really yeah. is. So yeah. I mean, it's not all fun in games to to be you know, <laughs> cleaning dishes and stuff all day, right? Um, um, and you know, serving, pouring drinks and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, they do a great job, um, and that really helps add to the like the immersion and the and the fun for for everybody else. And so, you know, there's always, you know, stuff going on. There's, you know, <laughs> they're pretending to be drunk, uh, which we had uh, some some good stuff with that. We had, like, the uh, a big drunken dish session, which was inspired by, like, well, a lot of things. But it, it started with, after the uh, rescuing Solon plot in the, in the Scud Barn, which we'll talk about. But, um, you know, Mira... Um, like apparently went up to Semerol mm-hmm. and said, "Like I, I just got a lot of like feelings that I don't know how to deal with. Like, how do you deal with your feelings?" And he just held out a bottle of alcohol, <laughs> and and then they started drinking um, in like the, the like the back room of the tavern, not like the, the new back back room, but like the side back room that we've always had. <laughs> and um, when I came in, it was Mira Semerol. Simon, Dante, a couple other people, and they're all just like Raven, and drink with us. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they were all talking about their <laughs> their feelings and their like issues and insecurity. And there's it was a lot of like role playing, like 
like actual like <laughs> resolution role playing to stuff that people had set up with their characters either either deliberately or accidentally. Uh, some are all talking about like how like he feels like he's a monster and everyone sees him as a monster. And Mira talking about how she's got all these abandonment issues now that Magento and Solon are leaving her, and everyone else is short lived compared to elves. And it's like it's like her dog just died twice. And uh, um, Simon's talking about how. Uh, he's got these self-destructive tendencies, and then I, you know, open up about the fact that I have a really hard time uh, letting anything go and letting it be someone else's job or responsibility. And like, we, you know, <laughs> well, everyone was talking about like, you know, and we were just like drunkenly talking over each other. Uh, I think we drove everyone else out of the tavern, but saying "I love you, man," and 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 just like, just uh, it was really sort of like. <laughs> therapeutic or maybe not therapeutic but cathartic experience yeah uh and you know it was it was fun like as right i i don't actually drink alcohol as as Ribbon, i don't i rarely drink i've been like super drunk a couple of times um uh, and uh but yeah, it, it was, like it was a really cathartic. fun uh thing another like also another thing that pcs do when npcs aren't around uh is a lot of lessons like teaching people lessons uh for uh you know the different different schools of magic or fighting or stealth or or various different prestige classes or even the the non uh combat skills like um tatanga and i did like a like an interdisciplinary like nature walk for him teaching like how to commune with nature and talk to the trees and 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 uh rocks mm-hmm. and uh um, i was teaching people how to gather components i don't remember who had what first but there were like a couple of people who were interested in learning both um, so we we did that together. Uh, Simon came along. Like we went down to the amphitheater. Uh, we walked out. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we we walked we walked up to the Sadius Rock near the near the Peninsula to eat some eat some spider webs. So there are a bunch of people, like newer people to town, mostly who came just for lessons, and then other people who came mostly just to eat spider webs and to have someone to walk out there with. <laughs> and so we get out there and start having the snack break. And some of the uh, of the uh, the newer PCs, uh, Charles uh, von Gaylord and Casper, were like, um, "Okay, this is, this is interesting. Is this part of the? Le- do we have <laughs> do we have to do this as well? No, no, you don't." And but yeah, so then yeah, but there were there's some other good lessons that I saw. Uh, Simon was learning a dodge lesson, which a bunch of people picked up like uh, spell packets and just threw threw them at him while he stood up against the side of the tavern and uh, and tried to dodge for a while. Uh, other different lessons uh uh of various different sorts but um and then you know a lot of like you know music and and songs and just standing around talking and debating about magical theory and and cosmology and talking about different dimensions i heard there was a bunch of stuff going on like an upper cabin too like they had a bunch of role-playing things yeah happening there yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to know that there's you know a lot and of like yeah. Reading stuff. reading some of those and like the summaries afterwards, it's like uh, some of the stuff the Cutler said. Like I had no idea any of that stuff was going on, but it sounds like you know like there the, the, there's there's always like something going on in different groups and and stuff. Um, some people having little rituals or little powwows or little meals together or or just you know chats about various different things and um, right. And that's always good to know. Like. Y- even if there are games like this when it is cold and rainy and stuff, to know that the, the PCs are, are still doing lots of things is great. Yeah. When Toner came out as uh, uh, Acting Minister Heart Song from the Allegiant, talking about the Allegiant, mm-hmm. talking about the incarnations, 
you know, after he left, we were still talking about the Allegiant and the Incarnations and, and, and what the Incarnations mean to us uh, for a while. And that, you know, continued throughout, you know, throughout the day. So, yeah, just like little things like that that the NPCs do to start like discussions and with, with, with like role playing stuff that, you know, that continues and takes on, you know, a life of its own within the, the PCs to keep it going. So, uh, you're yeah, just having those, even if, you know, like an NPC goes out and they feel like they only really interact with one person, that one person's going to interact with other people about that, that, and, um, and, and spread it around and give us like stuff to do and talk about. Yeah. At least that's the hope. Yes. That's, yes. That's, that's the hope. That's yeah. what we sure. hope happens. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, you did get an Allegiant member to come in, Minister Hart's song, mm-hmm. um, trying to, to figure out how to reestablish Allegiant ties in the town and look for uh, new recruits and eventually new ranking members. Because mm-hmm. we haven't had a, a ranking member in town for a while. Like, are, are, are you, are you I'm the, the cordant, member? yeah. Um, and the last confessor <laughs> that we had was, like, the last active confessor that we had was Anastasia, which has been years now. Years, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Sindo was something, right? Sindo was, was the... Yeoman, which is the hand, uh, but then right. after Sindo Sebastian uh, Dark was the Yeoman, and he was fairly active around in town doing stuff for a while, mm. but hasn't been for over a year now. Right. So, yep, positions, vacancies need to be filled. The Allegiant's a, a lot of fun. I always like the Allegiant. They've yeah. got they've got some good things going for them. Yep. Yeah, Tatango's getting really into it. A few other people were getting really into it, and I, I think they'd be good. Good to uh, have more Allegiant stuff going on. Yeah, so if you are wondering what the Allegiant is and what it can do for you, you can ask <laughs> Cordant Rybin or... Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> sure. Or any of the other folks that have gotten yes. into it. Yep. And uh, if you'd like to send a letter to Minister Hartsong, you can do that and learn some more about what's happening with them. Yep, I already sent him a long letter, but you can send him a letter too. <laughs> All right, so let's see, what else happened? There were, like you said, there were Invergence Tears. Yeah, we talked that... about the Invergence Tears a little bit, um, centered on that Vool Beacon, the top of the amphitheater. The, uh, yeah, whatever that, that beacon is, it's sort of like pulling Invergence stuff to it, and it seems to be ripping Invergence holes open. They're very much like the Invergence Tears that we saw in Marshall's Landing. They started forming all around the edges of Marshall's Landing, and then eventually in the middle, and then eventually got so big that... Marshall's landing almost completely fell apart. So Ruh-roh. there's that. <laughs> so that's a thing. Yes. Also, there's like sort of like crystallizing essence speaks in a couple of different spots that. Which is strange because usually essence speaks are just like. Just sound. There. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Sounds experience yeah but these were crystal like the, yeah they're starting to form into something solid and tangible that seems to have a menacing uh, malice to them and don't don't absorb them kids this <laughs> let's just let's just say that you don't want to absorb crystallized malice and and don't do drugs Uh, but the evolved invergence creatures are trying to eat them um like the the big maw things and the the uh tentacled eye covered things uh and the other and maybe other invergence creatures 
um, as well. But if they eat them, they get stronger and more evolved. So we don't want that to happen. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, what you want to happen is up to you. But I'm just saying I don't want it to happen. Um, so our new players to town got to learn how to harvest gills from face bids, <laughs> which are strange fairy-like spiders from the scud farm. But it's a good thing that they learned to harvest them because uh, those gills helped the town to breathe when they went to the scud barm to rescue Solon. Because mm-hmm. uh, once they fed the, the gills to the uh, the barmacles... See, the great thing about the scud barm is that you always learn a new word every time you go there. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the creepiest Sometimes thing about the, uh, the, the barmacles... Yep. Um, is that uh, Brambles had, in a long, long time ago, before I created like what the barmacles actually looked like, yep. Brambles had told Solon, I think, that the barmacles were a delicacy in the scud park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not full-grown barmacles, but, you know. And, and they look like creepy faces. Yeah, they're like creepy masks wound about with like seaweed and algae and mm. stuff like that. Tasty. Yes. Like little little sushi rolls of, of faces. <laughs> exactly. How can you resist? So delicious. Mm. But eventually Solon was um, rescued with, I understand it, no help from Ryben. <laughs> I was... Listen, I didn't not help. I feel like when you go up to somebody who's been wallowing in self-pity for two months and the first thing that you say to them is, look, I don't like you. I said, I don't like you, but Mira does. And so you should do it for her. See, I didn't hear the second part. The only one I didn't I heard just say I didn't was, I don't like you. No, that how would that help? Maybe that's all he heard. Yeah, maybe. That's all maybe, that was, that maybe, was maybe. relayed back Listen, to me. Listen, I was told that you had to have a strong emotional connection to Solon. I didn't hear that it had to be a positive emotional connection to Solon. <laughs> so, in, but in all, Solon eventually was um, rescued and he and Fiantin were woven back together. Yeah. So. I will say this. I, I really like Mike Canale and I... I I really like Solon, but Ryben has irreconcilable differences with with Solon. It just, we're just too too opposite each other in how we how we think about order and 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 other things. But oh, I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I think he understands that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I like Ryben my canal. when I when Solon. I when I was playing Drake, one of his uh, his uh, contacts. Buddies. Yeah, his, one of his buddies. We had some good times. <laughs> so, yeah, Solon was rescued, and he and Fiantin are, are back together. Mm-hmm. And now we just got to see what's going to happen next. Bum, bum, Possibly bum. something at the Fey Ball. What? <laughs> I think the um, Fey Ball will be a drama-free night. 
Oh, in- entirely drama free. Nothing, nothing could happen no. at a fable. No, no, where it's being celebrated one of the most emotional events of the year. Sure, no, <laughs> not but during the Festival no of Souls drama. and Isley. No. <laughs> It is just going to be a fun night of dinner and dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure nothing <laughs> bad will happen to anyone who eats any of the food. <laughs> I mean, listen, usually the food's okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's Actually, the food. Last, the last Fae Ball we had, only one person got killed that I can remember. Only, oh, only one. Town. It was by the town, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the, the Fae Queen, uh brought in somebody who had wronged her, played by Michael Coffey, and was like, oh, I I, I, want, I bet you're wondering why you got invited here. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was wondering that. And she's like, oh, well, there's a reason. <laughs> and then she turned to the town and said, I've stuffed this fay full of candy. If you want the candy, you have to beat it out of him. What? And the town just got up. (laughs) They just beat this poor Faye to death because he exploded candy. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I'm sure nothing like that. No. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so what else happened at this event? (laughs) Well, there was more, more Canthos related stuff with house Vondas, uh, um, Lord Vondas was uh, in town trying to get people to help him track down Marcanthos. So there's some stuff, Marcanthos stuff going on from that angle. Also, um, uh, Daria's been working on like protecting the you know nature in the area from the invergence and other things, and uh, was concerned about Marcanthos's uh, role in that. And was talking to uh, someone from more Marcanthos representative and found out that she had some sort of connection to the. Uh, the Dark Heart, uh, which is a sort of, I don't know if it's a piece of Marcanthos or Gwendolar, but basically Gwendolar was a was a goddess before she became the incarnation of nature. In order to become the incarnation of nature, she had to sort of balance out her her goodness with the, the sort of negative side of nature, the, you know... Death and decay. Death and, and decay and, and, and that sort of thing. And that sort of the dark heart got put into her to to help balance her out to be a more well-rounded nature incarnation that was related to all all aspects of nature. Um, and there's some like Morcanthos followers that want Morcanthos to uh, to be that incarnation of nature. And uh, so Dario was trying to sort of walk that balance of like, well, both of these Morcanthos and Gwendolar are incarnations. And it's Marcanthos is a lesser incarnation. Marcanthos is a lesser incarnation. But. I mean, he wanted to be the greater incarnation and have nature be a little bit darker than it is, more death and decay uh, and pestilence. But uh, so, yeah, there's various different stuff going on with, with Marcanthos in terms of how he relates to nature as a whole, how he relates to Morchuan, and can Morchuan take him back? Should they take him back? Would that be disruptive? to Majesta since he is a lesser incarnation uh how how does that how does that work and so there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on with that trying to figure out um how to deal with Morcanthos in in a way that's not going to be 
super bad for people while still getting people what they want. And, you know, is, is Morkant, does Morkanthos deserve to be the incarnation of Pestilence? Does he not? Because he was not part of Sadius's plan, but he's here now. And how does that, how does that work? Lots of interesting stuff going on there and not necessarily sure. easy right answers. Which is great. Yep. Yep. Good plot. <laughs> so um, at dinner, Fortune's Vanguard, which is an organization in town that's designed to help people integrate themselves into the world of Majesta mm-hmm. on both an in-game and an out-of-game level. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I feel like sometimes we, uh, we don't mention that enough, but this, this group is designed to help especially new players yeah. to learn how to, to do things at game, to learn how to do info gathers and travels and make contacts and stuff like that. Yeah, find people to teach, to, you, to teach you lessons so you can learn how to use, do the skills and, and not necessarily just, oh, you know, you're fight me, now you know fighting, but like coach people through how you do the skill calls and how you do incantations and 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 how you, I don't know how, how drams of transformative elixir work and the things you need to keep track of, but yeah, it, it's a way for people to like bond on an in-game level, but then also on an out-of-game level, learn how to do the things um, right. that are associated with. And, the and also, zero. it's it's should you know provide an avenue for people who don't know what the different organizations are yep. in the world and stuff like that. So if you want to get involved in an organization but you don't know of any, yep. then the Fortune's Vanguard is a great place to start because they can be like, oh, yes, I absolutely know yep. a guild that can help you do And some people stay this. in Fortune's Vanguard, but some people just use that as like a starter organization to <laughs> figure mm-hmm. out what they want to do. And once they know what they want to do, or maybe they come in knowing what they want to do. And if so, great. You might not necessarily need Fortune's Vanguard, but you should consider it, especially because they pay your taxes for you. They do. Fortune's Vanguard is uh, is great for that, at least. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, they had promotions yeah. for some of the people within their ranks, and they did a really good job at it. Yeah, Jaden did a lot um, of the of of the work organizing it and uh, like writing up the speeches and stuff like that. Um, I helped a little bit with the speeches and 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 um, uh, you know like advice about, like how to information like the, the people who were getting promoted like stuff that i saw that, that would make them good candidates and but like we talked with uh um karen's uh uh fortune vanguard npc anaya the previous game about like what were the requirements to advance in rank and there were a bunch of people that we really wanted to promote um and some of them we did and some of them were like oh they're not we really want to promote them i think they'd be good but like there's a couple things that they haven't done yet in terms of the requirements outlined by fortune's vanguard which we posted in the info sharing group uh, I attached that to the big old um, sticky post at the top, but like other PCs, uh, like did a lot for the the promotion ceremony too. Liam made the medallions; he three D printed those. They're super cool, so pretty. Yeah, they were really nice. Yeah, he experimented with like different sort of metallic filaments and um, like layered. Like it's you know, what's that word? Raised print type mm-hmm. thing uh, on on some of them. And uh, it, they look they look really sharp. And then yeah, um, I saw a couple of them. They were really nice. Yeah, we asked uh, you know Silver Pete. I had offered like when I became magistrate, like or even before, like you know if anyone if you need like certificates or anything printed, like you know or not printed, but like made up for different awards for people, you know different like I can you know do some scroll work and calligraphy for them. And so he did. He made those uh, the uh, the the scrolls, the awards that were presented to uh, the people who advanced in rank. Um, and they Which came, were also they, really they were, Yeah, they were amazing. Like he's saying, oh, he's saying, oh, I, I, I like feel like I'm like 
you know, a rush I, I, I didn't do as good as I could have with calligraphy. And it's like, but like they're, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. They looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really great. Yep. And I thought, thought it would be they... cool to do that like publicly at dinner so that like other people, whether in Fortune's Vanguard or not, can, can see it. Yeah. I thought that was a good idea too. Yeah. And then there was a, a couple of things that Fortune's Vanguard, uh, an adventure and a lesson. Yes. <laughs> One of which was met with less enthusiasm than the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's like a wishing well or like trying to explore, like to find pieces of this, uh, this map that Karen's character and I is trying to, uh, you know, put the, put together this map. And so that was, that was a really cool mod. Um, it was not in the mod building cause of reasons, uh, related mm-hmm. to stuff. Uh, but, um, it was uh, like across the, um, the, the road in the campsite over there at night and it was really cool like these jellyfish things and like this underwater exploration which was really cool uh, we didn't find the things we're looking for so we're going to be going back in another wishing well which is just as well because it was a smaller group and there were people who I know were really psyched about wanting to do it that will now get a chance to, to go in there again but the other thing that was less well received was the uh, the undead pit fighting for please it was undead pit training oh I'm sorry Undead pit training <laughs> that one of Johnny's NPCs was there to take bets on. Well, I mean, you can't keep everyone out. Uh, but yeah, we were looking for like a lesson on how to, people were looking for a lesson on how to fight undead. Um, and so what we ended up going to was this literally underground literal ring uh, with fighting. And there was like a necromancer s- like sitting on a skull-covered throne flanked by two skeletal bodyguards was like welcome uh and then people like stepped into the ring and were able to you know fight the uh the undead which the of their choice right yeah the undead of their choice there were different undead that yeah that that people could fight um which uh this some of the spear hunters rainin and uh griswold did some pretty impressive fighting against some of the tougher undead whereas some other people fought um undead that were a more appropriate challenge for for them and their lack of specific skills against undead but there was yeah some interesting fights and stuff it was it was fun but like you know uh when uh Raynan wasn't fighting he was just sitting grumpily on the side staring at the undead and, and just making sure that that no one got hurt like no one got killed or or life drained or 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 corpses eaten or any of that stuff uh, which the necromancer did a, did an okay job of trying to keep the undead in line. Some of them were just like when the when someone went down, they would they would go over to try to finish them off, and the necromancer would say, "Hey, no, no, down." So it it was it was about as safe of an experience fighting undead as you can get. It was just a little weird having a necromancer there, and what was really weird was you know the gambling on it. Um, and hearing that Fortune's Vanguard was, you know, the greater organization was getting a, a, a kickback from it. Um, Jaden and I had to talk about how that's not the kind of Fortune's Vanguard that we want uh, to, to see. But um, it was it was it was great role playing all around. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, I heard it was it was pretty good. And then finally, uh, on Sunday, the uh, <laughs> the working troops came to fight the town and to tell them to go back to Marshall's Landing where it was safe. Um, for those of you who may just be listening for the first time, the uh, the working troops were wearing War King tabards. <laughs> and uh, they went in and 
They were trying to, like I said, convince the town to go back to Marshall's Landing. Uh, it was discovered at some point that they were, in fact, collectively all part of a Tane creature that is uh, known as a Trickashay. Yeah, so that was an interesting fight. I know that you can't talk too much about that because you were too busy I was, protecting your web. I was not there for that. <laughs> I was building a web. I didn't find out until, like, seconds before uh, the end of the battle that they were these were Tane and not actually uh, War King troops, but working troops. And uh, Simon, like, asked me, like, Hey, can can you cast Mass Awaken uh, right as as the game over got called? So I didn't get to use that. But well, they went on break. Oh yes, they went on break. That's true. They went on break because <laughs> they were working troops, so they had to go on break at some point. Yeah, I guess got to follow those union rules. Yeah, absolutely. Don't want to be no scabs. So that was, uh... <laughs> that was most of game three. Um, again, we probably missed some stuff, but uh, we got the, the highlights there. Yep. And game four was going to be a lot of cool stuff. It's the Festival of Souls. So, you know, undead for days. Mm-hmm. And we have a Fae Ball that's happening that's put on spirits. by some of our PCs. Mm-hmm. Yep, spooky spirits. There's Isley, which is the Fae celebration. In fact... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put a, a sponsor break here. Um, it's that time of year called Isley when the Fae celebrate the passing of one season to another and celebrate the time that friends and family have spent on and around Majesta. This year, the Festival of Isley is being celebrated with masks and instruments in the form of a ball. Join the Fae as they drink, dine, and dance their way through this yearly ritual. And don't forget your mask. Speaking of breaks, we're going to have another break with a Command Perform uh, segment by Simon Shakurka Garen. Take it away, Simon. Broken glass, rusty nails. Where the wild violets grow Say goodbye to the agents The mad dogs of summer And everything that I know Well, some man would do this for diamonds Some man would do this for gold but they just keep on climbing and sleep on the side of the road there's a hole in the ladder a fence we can climb mad as a hatter you're thin as a shite go out to the meadow the hills are a green Sing me a rainbow Steal me a dream Small-time Jacorian 
shattered his knees, but he stayed in the saddle for Rose. And all his disciples, they shave in the gutter and gather what's left of his clothes. Well, some man would do this for diamonds. Some man would do this for gold. Wounded, but they just keep on climbing and sleep on the side of the road. There's a hole in the ladder, a fence we can climb. Bad as a hatter, you're thin as a shite. Go out to the meadow, the hills are a green. Sing me a rainbow, seal me a dream. Welcome to our segment, Profession Artisan, where we interview one of Magistry's players who is a real-life artisan. On today's segment, we are going to be interviewing John Schuster. Hi, John. Hello. So John has been at the game with us for uh, <laughs> two years or is it three now? Just about two years. Uh, I, I believe it'll, this will be uh, going into year three. Great. And you are the leader of the Ebon Wolves, Feshen Yog. I, I am Feshen Yog. <laughs> um, John has also NPC'd for us quite a bit, playing some of our big bads and helping in their logistical and physical creations. That, that is me. <laughs> Monster creation, weapon creation, whatever you need. And we'll take it. Uh, so welcome to the Magistream. It's uh, good to have another profession artisan. We always like to talk to the folks who help bring our game to life and who are always very crafty and uh, all that good stuff. So like we said, you've been, you've been playing Magistry for almost, like going on three years now. Um, did you yes. LARP beforehand? Uh, I, yes, I did. I LARPed for about uh, just about eight years uh, prior in another game called um, Realms of Wonder. Okay. And is, does that eight years, like, was that uh, how long you've been LARPing? Did you start before that? Um, no, it was just, just about uh, 2009, 2010 is when I started uh, LARPing. Um, I'd always been a tabletop uh, person beforehand, which uh, allowed me to go ahead and portray different roles and whatnot for Dungeons and & Dragons and the such. But uh, the, the LARPing career started just about, uh, well, I guess now it would be almost almost 10 years, uh, including Magistry, of course. Right. Do you find that you like to be a DM better or you know, in tabletop or a player better? Uh, I do enjoy being a, a player uh, as well as an NPC. Uh, I ran some events back in the other LARP that I was involved in. Uh, so I, I do like playing both sides of the, 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 the fence, uh, as it were. But I, I think I like playing more. Because it's all a surprise to me as opposed to knowing the outcome of the story. Yeah. So what exactly do you, like, what exactly is your is your craft, would you say, is your primary craft that you like to do? 
Uh, right now, I have two primary crafts. Uh, the the first and probably the most visible is uh, my Boff craft, uh, followed up by leatherworking. So those are my two primary crafts I like to focus in on. I'm also pretty proficient with uh, metalworking, such as scale mail and, and chain mail. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, so th- those are those are my two and my my secondary, my minor. <laughs> so have you made any of your uh, characters costuming or weapons? Uh, weapons, yes. Uh, I did go ahead and uh, craft a little bit of the, the armor. I can't take all the credit. Uh, James Garvin, who plays uh, Ukabog, uh, is also another uh, crafty person, uh, is just a, a, a whiz uh, with scale mail and chain mail. Oh, and cool. uh uh, we we worked in tandem to go ahead and create that uh, that black scale mail, which is pretty recognizable. I'm I'm probably one of the few that uh, wear a 50 pound kit of armor. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it it is uh, it is an, an art I like to go ahead or a craft I like to go ahead and, and wear and and uh, put forth uh, all the time. So I wear it uh, rain or shine. Do you end up making uh, stuff for other people too? Have you ever like taken commissions or anything like that? I, I sure have. Uh, in fact, the uh, the Order of the Phoenix uh, through Justin Pluff had commissioned me to make four leather pouches. They're just a, a really vibrant red pouch with the uh, the embossing of the, uh, the Phoenix emblem mm-hmm. uh, on there with a nice little latch. I, I think uh, the four members that are, are uh, present in game uh, still wear them all the time. Well, that's great. So, do you do yep. you like take commissions on a regular basis, or do, is there a process I, for it? I, uh, I do take uh, commissions. I know I have uh, two active commissions for over the winter break. Uh, two buff weapons. Uh, I have another leather piece I need to put together, and and also the personal stuff too. Uh, the the long winter break is a is a great time frame to just uh, bang out all of those uh, those projects. That it's a little tricky to get done uh, in between events, especially when there's only a, well, in this instance, a few weeks between events. <laughs> I, I hear that. <laughs> um, so if someone wanted to order something from you, would they just like contact you on Facebook or contact you on email or how, how do you prefer that? Uh, it looks as though most of my commissions are done through uh, Facebook. Okay. Uh, obviously the easiest way to contact me. I, I think I'm friends with probably half to three quarters of the, uh, the folks in, in Magistry in, in some form or another on Facebook. Uh, so that would be the easiest way. And if there's uh, if there's a particular uh, craft that, uh, that they're looking for other than what I'm proficient with, uh, I do have, it seems I, I like to surround myself with crafty people <laughs> and could, uh, delegate the, the, the work if necessary. Sure. Um, That's always nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Magistry... For, for me, coming into this game, I, I saw a lot of people that, that really take pride in their, their craftsmanship, uh, whether it's bookbinding, even uh, uh, weapon crafting, uh, both Cutler and, and his creations. Uh, really, really excited about seeing future work uh, from Cutler. I think he has a bright future as a, uh, as a craft maker, uh, even a, probably leatherworking, too. He already has the skill set for that. Um, so. Yeah, we have a lot of crafty people at Magistry. We'll have to do a bunch sure more do. of these segments. <laughs> sure do. Uh, and 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 seeing on the uh, the, the Facebook post there, it, it seems as though there's there's a, a big field, a variety of, of different uh, craftsmen 
the crafts folk out there uh, from bookbinding, leatherworking, scale mail, boff weapons. It's just, it's great. And that, that's what kind of drew me to, to Magistry was a pride that everyone takes in their, in their respective uh, craft. That wasn't really uh, as visible in some of the other LARPs that, I, that I've seen where a lot of people just, you know, buy their products, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't necessarily take the time to personalize their look. Yeah, and I, I know that a lot of our players really do, you know, get into it that way, which is great. Sure. I love to see it. That's why Absolutely. we have the uh, the costuming and role playing uh, bonus points because yep. we really want to make sure that people understand that we we really value that in our players. Absolutely, and I I really think that uh, over the past you know two plus years, I uh, I've seen even even just the uptick. With the the Ebon Wolves coming in, I know there was a couple of uh, comments like, are, "Are you the Skyrim DLC?" As we're walking over the crest of the hill, everyone's in armor and <laughs> and, and and matching uh, and garb or, or uh, uh, thematic garb, and that that's what I like to see, and I, I see that all over Magistry. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So you've been LARPing since two thousand nine. How long have you been doing like your your leather working and your um, buff building. Um, I, I started just about uh, I don't know, probably about eight nine years ago. Uh, a few years into my my realms career, uh, there was a, a couple of leather pieces that I, I just wasn't able to, to find anywhere. I'm like, well, let me give it a try, and I created a a gauntlet that was part of uh, the thematic for my character at that time that was fully articulated. Um, had a lot of uh, detail and design. And that was my first piece. I got a lot of compliments on it. Where, mm-hmm. Where'd you buy that? I'm like, no, I made it. And they were like, oh, wow, how many, you know, how many pieces have you made? I'm like, oh, this is my first one. <laughs> and uh, it just kind of uh, snowballed in that effect. And the, the weapons I created for that game were a little bit more sports oriented, but I tried to keep a, a real world aesthetic uh, while maintaining the uh, the high performance that 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 game system required, right? Uh, with Magistry, since it's a little bit more RP oriented as opposed to the lightest weapon possible, you can have a, a really ornate crossguard or uh, an ostentatious design that uh, you know uh, promotes high fantasy, right? As opposed to to a more sport element. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your favorite things to make? For for me, I actually like making pouches. I, I, I'm going to actually probably make another series of, of uh, pouches. I just like the, the the small compact design. You can carry it everywhere. Everyone can. Everyone loves a pouch. It's I mean, true. <laughs> sometimes you just don't have enough pouches. And my second favorite thing to do is axes. Maybe it's my Northern European heritage, <laughs> <laughs> just ancestral memory, how to make an axe. Um, so those are my two f- favorite right now to go in and put together. But there, there are more intricate projects coming down the, uh, the, the pipe. I have a, a set of greaves and bracers that I'm going to be fabricating for the character Fashion Yog that will kind of fit that uh, red-black aesthetic that the, uh, the order kind of leans towards not a requirement but kind of leads towards and uh, uh, some people might think that, that that looks pretty cool so I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting working on those over the long break awesome I can't wait to see them 
Do you have? I, a, I can't wait to make them. <laughs> do you have a, a favorite piece ever that you've made? Uh, favorite piece ever for leatherwork uh, actually was was my second uh, piece, which was a articulated gauntlet uh, out of leather uh, that I had uh, boiled and dyed myself and did a lot of uh, intricate uh, uh, embossing. You boiled it yourself. Uh, and, like, did that make? Yep. <laughs> did you Did you do that in your apartment? <laughs> uh yes. I, I actually I, I boiled that in the uh in the the sink. Uh, let it sit, then uh, shaped it, molded it. Uh, let it sit again, boil it again. It was. Uh, I think that that gauntlet uh, took about a week to go ahead and fabricate because everything was kind of trial and error. I, I was just shooting from the hips. So I'm like, well, I've seen a couple things online. Let me go ahead and. and uh, interpret that and try to make it work for my application, and it it it, uh, it did, uh, and it was a very core piece, uh, an identifier of what that character meant uh, in that game, which was which was realms at the time. So, what advice would you give to like newer players that are looking either to to do their own buffer making or leather pieces, um, or start any of this as a hobby? Um, find a friend who does it. And ingrain yourself with that that uh, accountability buddy. I, I find that in, in my circle of friends, uh, who who has their own niche craft that they do, that surrounding yourself with like-minded folks that are crafty, if you will, uh, encourages you to go and push the envelope, uh, try new things, and uh, really develop your your craft. Uh, depending on the, the the craft, I guess more towards the the magistry folks uh, today, I'm a pretty good point of contact and can point you in the direction uh, of whatever craft, just about whatever craft that uh, that you're interested in in starting. It's it's fun to express yourself as uh, as a player and and the, the crafts, the things that we wear and what we use is a, is a great way to do that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Nothing, nothing is out, nothing is out of the realm of possibility for for uh, folks and what they want to do. Yeah, and it, it can sometimes save you money, <laughs> like sometimes not. <laughs> but... and, and if you're going to do leather, uh, getting a, a Tandy membership is, is, is a good idea. You will overall, uh, if you're just getting started, there's certain tools and things that you need. But once you buy those tools, you don't need to spend the money again just picking up the, uh, the raw material. And it ends up being a cost savings overall. In comparison to going on to Etsy and buying someone else's work, which is which is fine too, because you know it, it, it's it's whatever works for you. But making yourself will end up overall, if you intend on making a few things, uh, will end up being a, a cheaper, uh, less expensive endeavor. And it gets you more connected to your character too. It absolutely does. Uh, I I definitely can say looking the, the 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 part of whatever character you're going to do and and uh, crafting it yourself, it, it makes you more vested in your character. It absolutely does. Well, thanks for uh, being on this segment. That's really exciting. I actually didn't know you did leather work, so that I learned something new tonight. <laughs> and so uh, those of you listening, if you'd like to order anything from John, you can find him on Facebook. Uh, I'll tag him in the post for this Magistream episode when we post it, and uh, you can probably see some of his work. Um, and we'll, we'll get we'll get at least one picture up there so you can see it. So th- absolutely, thanks again, John. My pleasure. Welcome to Ask Ribbon Anything. 
Disclaimer, the opinions expressed here are for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. The opinions of Ryben Van Holt are completely in-game, may not reflect the opinions of Andy Doucette or Magistry staff, and may be factually untrue. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, especially when time travel is involved. Ah, hello there. I was just organizing my notes on this web or complex network of information in a visual format. I also am slowly sipping some of Semeril's secret scotch. Let me take a break from doing that and answer some of your letters. Can Ryben talk in an Utenheim accent? And what kind of drink do you prefer? Aladar. I could... But out of respect for the people there and the ears of the people here, I will not speak in such an accent. I generally prefer darker ales, but not the standard dark ale. Uh, I like gingered ales, um, dwarven ale. And there's one particular ale brewed near dark lakes in the, the north farthing of Irvinshire. Uh, it fills you with gumption and hutzpah and moxie. Though some say it tastes like pine needles. I disagree. Vanyan asks... What do you think are the most important in events involving race relations in the history of Majesta? Let's see, there, there are a few major ones. Uh, beginning at the Age of Arrival, uh, about 2,200 years ago, the Mongrelians arrived on Majesta. A large number of Mongrelians arrived from the dimensions of Mongrella, their minds and bodies and spirits merging with native animals to Majesta. Uh, for the long time, there was persecution and racism directed at Mongrelians, but that is mostly past. Not entirely, but mostly. Um, the next major event that has an impact on all the races is the Concession of Concessions in 1785 of the Age of Arrival, about four or five hundred years ago. Um, the non-human races of Irvinshire agreed to accept human sovereignty. I think there was a war. I'm not 100% sure about all the details on that. But the Kingdom of Irvinshire uh, formed... Um, and is ruled by human nobles. Uh, there are Drakians in, in Loftcraftvia uh, and elves in Kenrindel that retain some measure of independence and their own titles within their own community, uh, They and then the ability to govern themselves for, for internal matters, at least. At uh, the end of the Age of Arrival, uh, the year 2009, which is about 128 years ago now, the Age of Arrival ended with a major cataclysm, most people in the world don't really know a lot about it, but people in Elmerton were very much involved. It's very complex, and I'd love to get into it, but I really can't in this time that we have. Uh, but one thing that people do know about is the, uh, in his common knowledge, is the, the reparation. So the reparation was a change in the way magic uh, and time and other things worked. But the biggest effect was for the elves and the shortening of their lifespans that used to live over a thousand years and now their lifespans are shortened to several hundred elves used to spend decades or even centuries toward the end of their life to spiritually prepare themselves for elfheim the elven afterlife now they they lack that time and it's caused a huge spiritual and existential crisis in an effort to fix it some elven mages have tried to create a time bubble around the city of kenrindel to stop aging and buy themselves time to prepare for Elfheim or find some other way to fix the problems that they're having. It backfired a bit, and since then, Ken Randell has been slipping out of sync with the rest of time. Most people outside of Ken Randell don't realize anything is wrong, but I'm not sure what the people inside Ken Randell really know or are being told. 
uh, by their leaders. Uh, also towards the end of Arrival, a major event, not so much to do with race relations, but, but wars and history in general, the, the kingdom of, of Tomshire tried to unite the continent under their emperor, emperor their, their king who became called himself emperor, Emperor Borga II. Uh, Irvinshire, Loex, and a few other countries fought against him. He was eventually defeated. Um, that covers humans, elves, and Mongrelians pretty well. Drakians are uh, another race. They, they're descended from shape-shifting dragons, although it's so far back in history that it's difficult to pinpoint an exact date as to when that happened. Imps um, are a race that's very common along the southern coast of Irvinshire. Uh, they founded the, the town of um, Bloomingport, which they named Impishport. It was renamed Bloomingport during the concession of concessions when they gave up control of Bloomingport. Many of them moved to the larger trade city of Tradegate. That's about all the time we have uh, now to talk about that sort of thing. I am going to slowly sip this drink and try not to get as drunk as I did the other night on this scotch. Thank you and have a good night. Well, that completes this episode of The Magistream. Thanks to Elise Linick, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, uh, and Alexander Miller for submitting questions for Ribbon to answer. And thanks to Artie for his submission to our Command Perform segment. Thanks again to Sam Rockford for writing our theme music. You can find more of her music at facebook.com forward slash Sam Rockford Music. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Introducing the magistrate. Come ask Ryben anything. Be your bridge between the games. People don't understand it. Say I'm too old to believe in magic. The only limit is what you can't imagine to so come and listen la 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 so come and listen la 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 this podcast has been a production of magistry copyright p double games you can find out more about our larp at magistry.com or on our facebook page at facebook.com slash magistry if you have comments suggestions feedback or questions you can email us at the magistream at magistry.com